You know, I've been married two years, and I still like to hear Mrs. You know, it just has a cute little ring to it, you know. Good morning, guys. I am excited to be here with you guys. And I, excited is, is an understatement. Um, I love being with college students. I absolutely loved my college experience at North Central, which you will hear about a little bit today. Um, but college is just, it is just a good time of life. So whatever stresses you have right now, whatever assignments you have, whatever, just take a deep breath and just let it go. Should, should we do it together? Y'all don't need it? We're no, we're no stress out here? Let's do it together. On the count of three. One, two, three. That didn't work. <laughs> Hopefully it did. Okay. Look, somebody's real stressed because they're still letting the air out. <laughs> Look, pray for that friend. Okay. Again, my name is Tara Hollingsworth, and I'm super excited to be here with you guys this morning. Um, I do work as the youth pastor at a church in North Minneapolis. The church is called Sanctuary Covenant Church, where um, we continue to try to work towards reconciliation both to God and to one another. We have a multi-ethnic context, multi-ethnic intergenerational, so all stages, all ages, that kind of thing. So I'm excited to be here with you guys this morning. I brought a few photos for you about um, just some ministry that I enjoy. These are our youth, or not our youth pastors, that would be me. These are our worship leaders. And um, I just liked this picture. I don't know why y'all need to see them. I just thought it was precious. They're just such a cute little family. And then I have another picture of some of our youth, but also some youth that we're in partnership with. This ministry here is called Young Life. So though I do work at Sanctuary, um, we also have partnership with Northside Young Life. um, And we just really enjoy doing ministry together. So this is just a piece of my life that I I just love it. And I enjoy it a ton. But the best part of my life would be my family. That's my husband, y'all. He cute, huh? It's okay. Y'all can say it. I'm secure, right? So, thank you. See, I know the ones of you who do want to be married are like, oh, but the ones of you who are like, no, I don't need a man. I don't need a girl, whatever, are like, first of all, are you taller than him? So, y'all can hate. That's okay. That's okay. Ladies, let me tell you something. Don't sleep on short guys, okay? Short guys are humble, right? Don't sleep. So all my short guys. I think it's a lot of short guys here today. Don't sleep. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. There's a level of humility that comes with height, okay? Anyways. That is a small piece of my life um, that I just showed you guys. I also, I forgot to bring a picture of my dog. I'm a dog mom now. Um, so, but I forgot to bring a picture of my dog, so I'm going to have to start doing that. But she is a little brown pit bull, and she is the sweetest dog ever. All she wants is just, like, love and attention. It's just, she's so sweet. So next time, I will be sure to show you all some pictures of my dog. Um, so basically, like the, in the bio, um, we talked about how I really feel compelled to not only live into the calling that God has given me, but help other people understand the call that God has on their life, specifically young people, um, not just high school, but college age and all that kind of young 
um, youngness of life, I would say. But I just think it's so important to be able to truly live into the call that God has given you. And that led me to going to North Central University. I was born in Minneapolis, but I grew up in Georgia. So I went back to Minneapolis to get a degree in youth ministry. And my college experience was great. I did have a few encounters with Crown. And I'm so sorry to tell y'all, but the only encounters I had with Crown were the times that our basketball team beat you guys. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. sorry. But I only say that because I had a good game that day. So I like to think it was me, it wasn't. But I had a good game that day and I just remembered that. That's the only thing I remember. So I'm sorry, but I know that y'all are great. But also being in, back into a Christian school context, there's a few things that I understand about that. I understand the pressures that can come being surrounded by the body of Christ day in and day out all day long. I understand that there can be pressure to look like that one like good Christian that has it all together. But I also understand on the flip side, there can be that pressure to not look like that Christian, right? There's a lot going on in our society right now. So some of us want to feel so much like, yes, I am the, I am this like Christian person and I am the best and everyone comes to me for prayer and I am that person. But then on the flip side, there's that rebellious Christian that says, I'm not like them, right? I love the Lord, but I swear a little, that kind of Christian. Can I keep it real with y'all this morning? Okay. So I'm going to come to you guys um, this morning from the book of Galatians. So before we get into it, I'm going to ask you guys to bow your heads and pray with me. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, you are the reason for our being. You're the reason for the breath in our body. And God, I just ask that this morning you would be glorified, that you would increase in this place this morning. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. So we just ask that we would leave this place knowing a deeper truth about you that we would be able to hold on to, that we would be able to plant, that we would be able to walk on a a new piece of foundation that we can just carry with us, Jesus. Let us know you more after this morning. God, I ask that you would increase, that I would decrease, that you would help me to be clear, that you would help me to communicate your word effectively. This is all for you, Jesus. We need you. We need to know you more. We need to understand you more. We need your character so that we can accurately go out and love people the way that you would. God, let our hearts be in complete surrenderance before you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're going to talk about, um, do you guys still sing the song in your head that you learned as a kid to find books in the Bible? Okay, I do too. I was doing that just now. First and second Corinthians, Galatians, and Ephesians. All right, so we are coming together um, over Galatians. So Galatians is a very interesting book of the Bible. And to me, it almost seems like Christian college, just a little bit. And the reason that I say that is because there's some um, hierarchy going on based on what you do believe, what you don't believe, based on what you used to believe, based on what you believe now. So there's a little bit of that going on. And I found it interesting how Paul communicates to the Galatian church. If you would read some of Paul's other letters, he always starts out with exhortation. He always starts out with how encouraged he is by that church. He talks about the great things that they're known for. He talks about how much he's been praying for them, how proud he is of them. But then you look in the book of Galatians, and this is how Paul starts off this book. In verse 6, it says, of chapter 1, it says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ 
and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we are or are an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. So I think it's safe to say that Paul isn't very happy with the people in the church of Galatians, right? He starts out other ones with, I I just hear of your love for people. All I do is pray for you. Me and Timothy, we just sit around and just pray for you. And he starts out this book with, I am perplexed, bewildered, in complete disarray. I am astonished at the gospel that you guys have started to believe, which is really no gospel at all. And he says, anyone who continues to push this gospel, may he be cursed by God. Paul is what we like to say. He is on one today. So here's a few things that makes Paul so frustrated. In this church of Galatians, you'll see a few things. I'm going to name three of them for you. The first thing you'll see is classism. In this church in Galatians, there's two kinds of people. There are the Gentiles and there are the Jews. And the Jews, they felt like they just had this type of salvation that was owed to them. So the expectation that they put on the Gentiles is they said, not only do you have to believe in Jesus, but you also have to follow the Mosaic law completely. You have to follow every rule of the law. You have to do that to be saved. But not only that, but you have to be circumcised. If you don't know what that is, I'm not going to be the one to explain it to you. But they said, you have to do these things if you do want to have salvation in Christ. So they would lord these things over them and say, this is what you have to do. If you want to be like us, these are the things that you have to do. So there was a lot of classism going on. There was another thing that was going on. There was favoritism. So there was people in this church that were higher than everyone else. And Paul addresses that. Paul is basically telling them, I see here that some of you are more important than other people. I want you to know I don't care about all that. I want you to know that that means nothing to me. That your important people in this church don't impress me. And that's what Paul is saying to this church. There's classism, there's favoritism. And the last thing is there's rumors about Paul. They're saying that Paul really did not have a revelation from God. That really he just made up these things about Jesus. He made up these things about the gospel. And Paul's gospel is really no gospel at all. They're saying these things about Paul. And imagine the confidence that Paul would have to have in God. The confidence that Paul would have to have in his calling from Christ to go ahead and preach to a church that says that he's a heretic. That would be like if you guys somehow, if there was an article that that happened about me that said Tara is a heretic. Don't believe a word she says. She just doesn't know what she's talking about. And I came in here and started to preach to you guys. You guys would be like, wait a minute, right? And that's what Paul was doing. He says, first of all, I don't care what you think about me. I don't care what the important people are telling you. I know what God has called me to do. And just let me digress for just one second here. I don't know who this is for, but whoever in here feels um, a lack of confidence in your call, if you feel like there's people who don't believe in you the way that God does, I want to encourage you to keep pressing. I want to encourage you to not care what other people think about what God has called you to do. The things that God has called you to do, you better do it. 
And if you were questioning before you came in here about, is this really what God is telling me? Because maybe it doesn't align with what my family says. Maybe it doesn't align with what my friend says. I want to challenge you this morning to listen to the voice of God. We're going to move on. So during Paul's rebuke, he begins to give them a specific example. And in this example, he says, let me tell you about a time that I had to rebuke Peter. So we're going to look at that story. That story comes from Galatians 2, verses 11 through 21. And I will read it for us. If you have your Bible, please join me in Galatians 2, starting at verse 11. It says, when Cephas, or Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. But when I saw that they were acting in line or Yeah, so when I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas or Peter in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Jesus Christ, that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in seeking to be justified in Christ, we Jews find ourselves also among the sinners, doesn't that mean that Christ promotes sin? Absolutely not. If I rebuild what I destroyed, then I really would be a lawbreaker. For though the law or for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live for Christ. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. So in this story, we see Peter and Peter is so concerned with looking more righteous than he is. Peter is so concerned in looking so holy Peter's so concerned in surrounding himself with people of a higher status that he begins to act like he's not friends with people who are of the lower status. He wanted so badly to be seen among great people, to be seen among the ones who were already the favorites, who were already important, who were already the highest. He wanted to be in that group. So he started to reject the people that were under him. So friends, this morning I drove an hour from the city to tell you guys just a few things. I drove an hour from the city to talk to a specific group of people in this room. And it's for those of you where other people have put heavy burdens and standards on you to look godly enough for them. It's for those people in this room that maybe you don't have it all together yet. Maybe you're still wondering, you still have questions. You don't look as holy and as righteous as the other people. It's for those of you who still kind of swear a little. It's for those of you who are always in that staircase with your boyfriend or girlfriend. Sorry, sorry. Y'all, look, I went to Christian college. I know where y'all be at, okay? You got to walk through the staircase like this. Hope you don't run into anybody or wherever y'all place is, okay? It's for those of you who aren't always on stage leading worship. 
It's for those of you who aren't getting those calls to preach everywhere. It's for those of you who maybe not everyone comes to you for prayer. I want to talk to those of you in this room this morning. Because sometimes there aren't messages for you. Sometimes there's always just, oh, leaders, 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 leadership this, leadership that. And sometimes some of us who don't always have it all figured out get left out. Some of us in this room are treated like Gentiles amongst Jews. But I came here to tell you one thing. And that one thing is in Galatians 2.16. I'm going to read it again. It says, a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. A person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Now we're going to break this down because I grew up a Christian. I grew up in a Christian home. My dad was a pastor my entire life. I never knew anything but church. And I have heard the word justified probably every day and didn't truly understand what that word meant until a bit ago. That's a word that we use. And sometimes we can use it without really knowing what it means because you can kind of just put it in the right place. But we're going to break down this word today. So what does this mean? If you really study this word, if you go back into its context, if you look at the Greek, which I'm sure you guys do throughout your classes, you'll figure out that this word literally means to be declared righteous. So if you are justified by Christ, then you are declared righteous. You're declared right. You're declared just. This word is the opposite of condemned. So you're either justified or you're condemned. So basically, if you were in a courtroom and the judge were to say, all right, innocent or guilty, the judge would say, you are clear of charges. Clear. Completely clear of charges. That's what justified means. Okay, let's take it a little deeper. But why are we justified? How are we declared right? How are we declared righteous? How is that? Well, scripture says it's because your faith in Jesus Christ. So you are made right because of your faith. Let's break down faith. That word literally means belief. It literally means trust. It literally means confidence. So what we're learning this morning together is that the fact that you believe in the truth of Jesus, the fact that your trust is in Jesus Christ, the fact that your confidence is built on Jesus means that you stand right before him. And this seems even so different sometimes that it almost sounds like heresy, right? So it's almost like, so there's nothing that I can do. And we know these things, but if we really sit in this fact that you're right before God because you believe. Because in your heart, you've resolved in your heart and your spirit that Jesus is the only son of God. That Jesus is truly God. That is what makes you right before God. Not your ability or your inability to follow the law. It is your conviction that Jesus is who he says that he is. It is your belief in God. This word literally means trust. And if you break it down even further, it means persuaded. Because you're persuaded that Jesus is Lord, you won't be condemned. Friends, this morning I want to remind you that your ability or lack thereof to follow the law cannot save you. Your ability or your lack thereof to follow the law can't save you. It is your faith in Jesus. Your good works don't have saving power. I'm sorry to tell you that this morning, but all the good things you do have not saved you. It is your faith in Jesus Christ that saved you. And I know that it can be easier and it can be tempting to look clean than to be clean. But looking clean is for people and being clean is for God. 
So we have to make a decision this morning. Would I rather look clean on the outside or be clean? Because you can, you can fake the funk. I mean, I, I, I get it. We've been there. You can make it look like you're this godly and this holy person, but on the inside, do you know Jesus? Now, before we get too far, I don't want you guys to hear this as an excuse to sin. Because we know what Paul says in Romans. He says, should I continue sinning so that grace may abound? Absolutely not. He said, we died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? So this is not an excuse to just live wild, to live reckless. That's not what this is. Not sinning isn't a way for Jesus to love us more, but we deny our flesh for a very specific reason. So I want to invite you guys to turn with me to Hebrews 12.1. If you have your Bibles or your Bible apps, whichever works for you. Hebrews 12.1. While I sing the song in my head. Okay. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Friends, sin is a trick. Sin is a trap. And this verse here tells us that sin easily entangles us. And sometimes sins look good, sometimes they feel good, but ultimately at the end of the day, it's a trap and it's a trick. So what does entangle mean? Because we don't want to just read the word, we want to understand the word, right? We don't want to just know what it says, we want to understand what it says. So the word entangled in the Greek is a word, I'm going to try to pronounce it, okay? So y'all got to bear with me. It's euperistatos. All the Greek majors. Thank you. She's been to Israel, so she knows. Okay. So that word, so that word means entangled, okay? This word literally means encircling around something. But even further, it means encircling around something that desperately needs to advance. Encircling around something that desperately needs to advance. Raise your hand if you have seen the movie Jungle Book. Okay, if you haven't, my heart goes out to you. You need to watch the movie. So in the movie, Jungle Book, maybe you remember as a kid, there's a, there's a, a snake in that movie. And the snake is named what? Ka or something? Ka, okay. <laughs> so in this movie, this snake is trying to hypnotize people with their eyes so that they can um, keep them still. And then once he gets them still... He tries to wrap himself around them. And if you look at this word entangled, that's exactly what it is. Mowgli has a mission. Mowgli is trying to get somewhere. He is trying to advance. And the moment he's trying to advance, he encounters the serpent. The serpent tries to stop him in his tracks and wrap himself around him and stopping him from advancing from where he wants to be. Family, that is what sin does to us. Sin wants to stop us in our tracks, wants to stop us from pursuing the, the call of God on our lives, and wants to wrap itself around us so tightly that we can no longer advance. Sin is a trap and it is a trick. And yes, we are free in Christ. Yes, we stand right before him, but we don't sin so we can be right with God. We shed our flesh. We, we do away with the old nature because of what it does to us. Because it stops us from advancing. 
It stops us from, it is that distraction. It is that thing that, that, that clouds your mind. That's what sin does to us. Sin is that thing that is hindering you from getting to where God has called you to be. It's that thing that's slowing you down. Sin is what is distracting you from the things that God has called you to. And at the end of the day, like I said, it is a lie and it is a trap, but Jesus died so that we could be free from it. Jesus died so that we don't have to be, we don't have to be trapped anymore. We don't have to be entangled. That is why Jesus died. I want to end with this story. But before I do, I want you guys to remember that your faith and your conviction of who Jesus is has declared you clear of charge. If you don't remember anything that I said this morning, know that your conviction in your heart of saying that Jesus is God is what has made you right with him. That is what justifies you. It's your belief in Jesus. It's your trust in the name of the Lord. I'm going to end with this. There was a time that I was at North Central. I think it was my freshman year, so I was 18 or 19. And um, I felt that I was in a really good place. Like I felt like I was um, being so victorious over so many sins that I had struggled with in the past. I felt like I was doing the right things. I was serving in my church. I was working hard in my studies. I was doing all these things that I felt like were pleasing to God. And I was like, I mean, life was just great. I was like, man, I'm, I'm conquering sin. I'm victorious. I'm doing all these things. And then my sophomore year comes, and I start to slip up into Mary's in my life. But the crazy thing is during those slip-ups, I remember God blessing me. My life was getting a little crazy, but God kept doing things in my life to show me these blessings that he had for me. And I remember being so broken over it, and I sat in chapel, and I remember everyone left, and I sat in my seat, and I prayed to God. And I said, God, why are you still blessing me? You know I'm not as victorious over these sins as I used to be. You know I'm still struggling with so many things. What are all these blessings for? And in that moment, the Lord took me back to my freshman year where I was conquering sin and I was doing all these great things and I was serving and I, and I was preaching to these kids and I was doing all these things. The Lord took me back to there. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. And I said, I know that. I, I understand that. I get that. And I said, but why are you blessing me now? I don't deserve it. And that day I heard the voice of the Lord speak to me. And the, the Lord brought me back to that moment. And he said, Tara, you didn't deserve it then either. It doesn't matter if you're at the top of your game this morning. It doesn't matter if you're doing all these great things. It doesn't matter if you're on the spotlight. You don't deserve grace then and you don't deserve it now. It is your, your faith in the saving power of Jesus Christ. It is your conviction that he is who he says he is, that he is the one and only God, that there is no other God, there is no other name on this earth below or above it that we must be saved but Jesus Christ, that is it. And so no one in this room can take that away from you. No status, no importance, no, no status of being lower or being higher can take that away from you. You're justified by your faith in Jesus Christ. So I want you guys to remember that this morning as you go. That nobody has the right to put you in a place. Nobody has the authority to put you in that place. But it is Jesus. 
It is only Jesus that says that you are the most important to him. Doesn't matter what people say about you this morning, friends. Jesus declared you right the day that you believed. Let's pray. Jesus, you are good. Jesus, I know that we don't always reflect your compassion. God, sometimes we put people above others in our hearts. And Lord, this morning I ask that you would give us grace. You would give us grace to see people the way that you do. But even more so, you would give us grace to see ourselves the way that you do. God, in these battles against sin, I ask that you would continuously give us freedom. God, that we wouldn't give up the fight. Lord, but that we would still be confident in the fact that we are yours. That our justification comes from faith in you. Lord, I ask that as we leave this morning, we would remember your goodness, that we would feel your goodness welling up on the inside of us. God, that we would leave this morning with a joy, knowing who we are in you and knowing who we are not. God, help us to know you. Help us to know the truth. God, we are excited to live for you. What an honor to be right before the God of this world. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.